The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your favorite hour of the week. It's the Arrowhead Pride Preview Podcast, this time on Tuesday with the short week game coming at you Thursday night, the Oakland Raiders Thursday night football. I'm here, Pete Sweeney, with the player, Sean Barber, and the blog father, Joel Thorman. Guys, Chiefs coming off their first loss of the season. Tell me something good. Give me some good news. Sean, anything? What do you got? Tell me something good. Boom, 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 boom. It's a short week, so it doesn't take a long time to get back on the winning, um, the winning side of things. That's that's a good thing. Right, quick turnaround. They've still beaten Brady, Wentz, Rivers, Cousins. They've beaten a lot of really good quarterbacks still. So big picture, it's all right. I don't know if any of us expected them to go undefeated. Of course, getting that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, getting that first loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers, nineteen thirteen, tough game at Arrowhead Stadium. Now, focusing in on this game, Sean, what did you learn about the Chiefs in their loss against the Steelers? I learned that we're going to have to uh, tighten up the run uh, defense, no matter uh, what the first five games looked like. Eventually, uh, our, our, our run defense needs to be shored up for us to go further than we, um, you know, than we expect as far as going in deep into the playoffs, Super Bowl, all those things. You have to be able to stop the run. The, the Chiefs' offense can lay an egg. I thought that they were almost past a performance like that uh, just because they had so many weapons. You know, if you shut down Tyreek, then you go to Kelsey. If you shut down Kelsey, you go to Kareem Hunt. The Steelers really did a good job against all of them. So uh, the Chiefs aren't past that. They're, they're, they're still capable of games like this. Yeah, for me, it wasn't as much what you learned about the Chiefs in the game, but it's more about, to me, what the Chiefs can learn about themselves. And right now I'm going to read a quote from a great philosopher Rocky Balboa, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, 
It'll beat you to your knees and keep you permanently there if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Sean, that's how winning is done. <laughs> man, you are, you are killing me with this Rocky Balboa stuff, man. But it, it's true, though. It's true. It, uh, everybody takes a, takes a licking. Uh, you got to keep on ticking. You got to get back up. You got to uh, dust yourself off. Uh, our, our, our run defense took a hit, but I think, you know, if you listen to Rocky uh, Balboa, no, if you listen to DJ <laughs> and you listen to uh, Marcus Peters, you listen to the amount of pride they have in, in our defense. Um, it's, 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 it's almost a given that they're going to come back and um, counterpunch this week against the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. If there was some sort of counterpunch when it comes to personnel that the Raiders are doing right now, I mean, they're a two and four out of nowhere, they get Navarro Bowman. What was your reaction when they signed Bowman? It makes a ton of sense. It's one of those uh, rare midseason moves that all the fans were calling for that the team actually agreed with, and they went out and did it. The Raiders needed a lot of defensive help. I'm skeptical how much it'll help, you know, five days later when they play the Chiefs or three days later, whatever it is. Like that for the Raiders, Sean? A little bit overpriced. I don't know if I would give a guy with those many, that much trade off his tires, uh, $3 million for p- pretty much two-thirds of the season um, on a one-year deal. They probably could have negotiated a little bit better to be more – just really, really incentive-laced. Well, they said that he had a trip planned to Dallas as well. But That's it was what they said. They, they, you know them, they yeah. said it, that he had a trip to, to Dallas planned as well, and they kept him in Oakland, and maybe that's why they ended up overpaying because they were in a situation where they didn't want him to leave the building without a deal. And that's if you go back to the Andy Reid story, a lot of people said that's exactly what happened to get Andy Reid in Kansas City. Well, that's exactly how I got to Kansas City. Uh, my agent scheduled a flight for me to go to the St. Louis Rams and the Tennessee Titans once I came here for my first free agent visit. And what happened? Can you tell us? Carl Peterson wouldn't let me out of the building. Really? Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't set up the car service to take me to the airport. So him and my agent <laughs> yeah. basically literally wouldn't let you out of the building. Hey, you talking about kidnapping, modern day kidnapping. Uh, <laughs> He, he had my agent on the phone. He's like, hey, what do we got to do to get this deal done? He's like, well, Sean's supposed to be in uh, – he's supposed to be on a flight to go to St. Louis right now, so let's get him to the airport, and then we can talk about it later. He's like, well, we'll, we'll handle that. Let's, let's, walk, let's talk about this deal while he's headed to the airport. And the whole time I was just at Arrowhead being toured around, took to dinner and this and this. They never planned on letting me get on that uh, – getting that car service. It's so. a good strategy. When I joined Arrowhead Pride, Joel wouldn't let me leave his house. He said, <laughs> you're not leaving this house until you join Arrowhead Pride. Stayed there for a week. And uh, <laughs> that's that's why I quit the Chiefs. I mean, he locked me in. Anyway, so uh, let's go to the injury roundup. There's a lot of injuries to talk about. First thing I want to mention is Chris Conley uh, is in good spirits. Uh, we saw a photo of him yesterday, I, got, I believe, with the ruptured Achilles surgery, it seems like he's in good spirits, said that he's in line for a major comeback, so you hope to see him at the beginning of 2018, somewhere along those lines. Albert Wilson, still a little bit of a question mark, and Matt Nagy, who is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, had a quote this week on you know what the Chiefs really missed in Albert Wilson. Albert's a big part of this offense, and, and uh, you know not just for, for – what he does mentally and just knowing where to be on, in, in all, all different formations and plays, but emotionally as well and with all his energy. You know, he's a spark plug. And so he's one of our leaders right now. we got a young group of wide receivers that are out there, and, and he's been here now for a while, and he's able to lead the group. So anytime you lose a guy like Albert, it, it definitely hurts you. But with that said, we have, again, the, 
the, the belief and confidence that we have in these other guys is sky high. And, and Albert was there on the sideline, you know, rooting him on, helping him out with, with different things and on the bench. And, and uh, so, yeah, it hurts to not have him out there, but uh, that's just the way it goes and we got to move on. You know, talk to Pete Sweeney last year and he, he would have said, oh, the Chiefs are without Albert Wilson. I don't care. Pete Sweeney this year is like, you know what? They really missed him, especially with Conley out last game. Yeah, it was a drive late in the game, and Marcus Kemp was out there. Uh, DeAnthony Thomas was making plays for you, and that was when it really hit me. Like, whoa, they're really short on receivers. I found it interesting this week that they, they cut Kemp to bring C.J. Spiller. So does that mean Albert Wilson's coming back? I don't know. He missed, he missed, missed practice, practice on so Monday, yeah. It's uh, on a short week. That's definitely a little concerning, but... We'll, we'll, we'll see. Today's the day they're actually going to practice on Tuesday. So, Sean, is Albert Wilson the most underrated Chiefs player? Um, definitely on offense. Um, I, I always knew, uh, I always kind of considered him the X factor. He's that little missing link that you don't account for. It makes two or three really big plays to, um, throughout the game to kind of really uh, turn that momentum to the Chiefs side. Um, when, when it comes to game planning, Andy has done a great job of really finding a little niche for him to kind of fit in, whether it's the shovel pass, third down drag routes, a deep over route. He kind of he kind of hides a little bit a little bit between that deep coverage and that underneath coverage, and he just finds that nice little soft spot in your zones to kind of make himself present when you when you need a big first down. So I kind of expect you know Danny Thomas gonna have to step up in that role. That's gonna be kind of that niche role that he needs to step up in. What a 2017 question! Is Albert Wilson the most underrated chief? That question would have been laughed at last year, and then now I'm like, I think he is actually. Yeah, it's crazy, and and. You could tell last game they really did miss him. And I think it was, for me, the rapport with Alex Smith, it seems that he's really been in sync with Alex Smith since the beginning of the year. And you saw that Demarcus Robinson wasn't really completely in sync. And we'll get into more of that a little bit later. Let's let's stick with injuries right now. Kareem and Akeem Hunt should be the one-two running backs this week. Sharkandrick West, of course, has that concussion because of that Mike Mitchell helmet-to-helmet hit, the first of two bad plays for Mike Mitchell in that game. So uh, Kareem and Akeem are the guys. And then your number three, you mentioned it already, C.J. Spiller back for the fourth time with the Chiefs. Yeah, we'll see what he can actually do this time. Maybe he gets on the field, but he's he's a veteran. Uh, so you sign him presumably to play and not ride the bench. So I'm expecting to see him this week. Sean? Yeah, kind of like, you know, when uh, Arizona Cardinals got AP. I mean, you get a veteran running back because you expect that he's going to be in shape. So you're expecting the uh, 26 carries for like 120 yards. Two touchdowns, touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything less than 150 is a disappointment yeah, this yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, high expectations, baby. All right, let's talk game storylines. Thursday night football, the world will be watching. Raider week, is it a little less exciting because the Raiders stink this year? Yes, I, th- I think it is. I, I looked at the schedule before the season, and I thought this was going to be the best game of the year, the game of the year. Not it just... was last Thursday night football when they played. It was one of the better games yeah. last year. It was, at, it was at Arrowhead, and I just thought with uh, you know the Chiefs having won the division, going to Oakland, the Raiders are going to be treating this like their Super Bowl. I thought the Ra- I thought there was a chance that they could both be you know six, uh, five and one or you know six and zero oh entering this game. Yeah, so it, it has taken a little bit out of it, but. You know, once once Thursday night gets here, I'm sure we'll forget about that. On a personal level, Raider week is Raider week. I wouldn't care if neither team had any wins. Um, you have opportunity to beat down the Raiders, you do it. Gain all the energy, all the, hey, lick your wounds, whatever you got to do. Uh, tape it up, strap it up. Buddy, tape your fingers together when I'm broke. You do whatever you got to do to get ready for Raider week, and it's Raider week. Like a true Marty player right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I'm – 
I'm pretty. I'm still pretty fired up, by, given the fact that it's the Raiders, and I just don't like Jack Del Rio's face, very punchable face, as you would refer to the the movies. But I think the idea that it's on Thursday night, I'm just like not a big Thursday night football fan because it's just a different brand of football. Like the Chiefs are only practicing once this week. They don't have the same amount of time to game plan for this game as they would. And I know there's been some good Thursday nighters this year. The Carolina Panthers, Philadelphia Eagles game comes to mind, but the same time it just for me you know it's just a different brand of football like other weeks they may have shark Kendrick west when maybe this week they definitely won't so i don't know i just i don't love thursday night football it's, it seems way more unpredictable and not in a good way right um like the injury factory factor excuse me is obviously huge and it just like they always seem like they're weirder games and not and not like you know the way the chiefs would normally people are play. banged like they feel banged up you know, you've you've been there before. If you had to play on Thursday night, how would have that impacted you back in your playing days? You must not have heard what I just said. Wrap it up, tape it up, do what you have to do. <laughs> it's Raider week. You practice, you prepare to play. They don't care if it's a short day, three days. If we had the chance to play, the, if we, if we played on Sunday night, and somebody said, hey, because of the schedule, we have to turn around on Tuesday and play the Raiders, everybody in the locker room would say, let's go. Let's go like it's Raider week. Let's go. Now it seems, at least in, in these days, that – that rivalry aspect to it is a little bit less. Is that just because of the players on the teams, or w- w- why do you think that is? Well, I think on a national media, you know, Denver has been really good in our division, so it's kind of been us in Denver. So people on a national level probably have kind of forgotten about the Raiders a little bit. Derek Carr last year had a great year, and then the end of the year he gets hurt, and they kind of, you know, go down the tube. So I think nationally everybody's kind of like the same old Raiders. But here in Kansas City, as far as me as an alumni player, I can't wait for Raider Week. I can't wait to just – talk about the Raiders, talk down about them. I can't wait for the team to beat them. If it's at the end of the game, we're up by 20 and we have a chance to score, I'm hoping we can score a touchdown. Don't want no running back kneeling at the one-yard line. No, I want to score as many points, embarrass them as, as much as you can on national TV. I just don't think you have – like back in the day, Marty made Raider Week a thing Cause and, it, and it, talked about it publicly. If you look at the Chiefs' history, it really mattered to Lamar Yeah, too. And they and they they were good at it. They beat them a lot. And now we're kind of back in this heyday again. And they're back to beating the Raiders a lot. But Andy Reid is a lot more polite about it, I guess. You know, he he doesn't quite take the shots that maybe Marty did, and you know has a little bit of a different focus. I think that's part of it. For me, it's a little bit too. It's more of an important game, I think, at this stage for the Raiders, just because all of a sudden, you know, this team had high hopes. They're about to get their fifth loss. The Chiefs coming off their first loss. Now, I think a big question and a big storyline into this game is, you know, how will they respond after their first loss? I mean, we're, we're about to find out. I have no idea. I, I just really don't know what to expect. I, I, my gut tells me veteran team, veteran coach, you know, they've been preparing for this throughout the season, getting a little ahead, knowing the short week is coming, and I think that they're going to play well. But again, Thursday night, who the hell knows? Good or bad that it's this quick of a turnaround off the loss? I think after a loss, you don't worry about the time frame to get ready for that next game. I think that you look at it as not so much a detriment being it's a short week, but the positive is going to be a long week after. Right. So you just everybody gear up and go. Go as much as you can, as hard as you can. If you can't go, tap out, let the next person go. Shoot all your weapons, shoot all your ammo. Let's get through the game with a win at all costs. Whatever you got to put up chips in, get the win, and then you get a long week into that next game. So that's the way I would look at it as a player. And a 6-1 and one record will be much more enjoyable yes, sir. than 5-2. and two. Yes, sir. For a blogger, it's very good the Thursday night, I think, because I did not want to write about anything 
with that Steelers game. There was just no like really good, even interesting, you know, chief storylines coming out other than same old thing. Raiders, you know, beat them up the same way that they did before. And we should go back, listen to last week's podcast. And I think we all basically predicted what would happen there with Bell having a huge game. And I think I even said eight for 150 for Antonio Brown. That's what he got. We knew it was coming. None of us could have predicted Andy Reid going for it on fourth down. I just, I mean, I think once that happened and they didn't get it, it made things a little bit more urgent. Uh, it made things that remained at a two-score game instead of the one-score game. I thought that was a killer. And I, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty. They get the touchdown. You know, we're all thrilled about the call. So it's, it's a tough position to be in. But, man, I just think that put things in the wrong direction. Go for it. Uh, like, go for it. Don't go for it. When you're a player on the team, man, you don't even – you don't blink at stuff like that, man. You just you're, – you're so, like, whatever they call it, drinking the Kool-Aid or whatever – Hey, man, Andy's puts us in great positions to make plays. He calls great plays. That fourth down and two, we had somebody open, had the opportunity to catch it. They made it, you know. Yeah, I think, it, I think my thing is it was a two-score game. So, like, you needed the field goal anyway. That was, that was my whole thing. I, like, when, you know, I know, that, I know they still talk on the broadcast, you know, about the book, the quote-unquote book. I just don't see how the book could have said to go for it on that play. Because you haven't moved the ball at all that game. You're four yards away from the end zone. So, you know, you, you – you don't have enough faith in your offense that you're going to go back and get into the end zone again. And you're only four yards away, two yards from a first down. So I always try to remember what I felt in the moment. And in the moment, I thought they've been playing so bad offensively that they have to go for it here to give themselves a chance. In, yeah. the, in the moment for me, I, I just was on the, I was on the other side. Regardless, they still had a chance to win the game. A little bit of bad luck at the end where Phillip Games really could have had an interception terrible luck off yeah. the face mask into the hands of Antonio Brown. You got to hate it when that ball hits you directly between the eyes. <laughs> With that, we'll go to commercial break. When we come back, we'll get into the X's and the O's. It's Thursday night football. It's Raider week. Get excited and stay with us. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Bride podcast. It's the Chiefs and the Raiders AFC West matchup Thursday night football. Jim Nance and once again, our boy Tony Romo on the call national game. I'm going to start with you, Sean. How do you believe the Chiefs will respond after what was a bad offensive game? Like I said, I, said, I think the veteran uh, leadership in the locker room, um, I think Andy does a great job of uh, pre- preparation, especially on a short week. He doesn't, he doesn't game plan the offense to really attack the weaknesses of, of any individual team. It's kind of one of these things, we do what we do, and we're going to do it so well that it doesn't really matter what you do on defense. And that's a perfect compliment 
to um, Coach Sutton because his defense is the same way. We don't move Peters around and take away your best receiver. We play defense, and then we expect everybody to play their position. The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs no matter what. We're going to be the Chiefs no matter what. And when you come to short weeks, that really benefits your team because everybody knows their job. They know what to do, and you're not trying to do the gimmick plays or some gimmick game planning just to beat a certain team. I'd like to see some more of that gimmick stuff. You know, I remember, I think it was just last year that Jack Del Rio kind of gave a backhanded uh, compliment to Alex Smith and said, you know, he can be successful when he does all that gimmicky stuff. Yeah, it obviously bothers them. Yeah, no, and so if that's if that's the first thing, you know, he's taken out of the game, I would be running so much pre-snap motion, moving guys around, putting Kelsey in the backfield. Like, I would gimmick it up big time, and I hope that Big Red's going to do that. But, you know, like like you said, with the short week, that's kind of tougher to implement that stuff. The Steelers had the Chiefs out of sync last game it Alex Smith said a number of times just could not get in a rhythm in the first half, especially only six yards of offense in the first half. I think one of the keys in this game is going to be to come down the field on that first drive and at least get some kind of points either from our guy buttkicker.com or get in the end zone because then I think it kind of gives you a message in your head, okay, this isn't last week anymore. Yeah, the Raiders defense, if you look at them, I mean, they, they kind of they, they're there. They line up and they play defense. They just right. try to come off the ball and beat you up and they want to make it a – uh, like a you know four-yard dust fight, a backyard brawl type thing. So that works to Andy Reid's offense because when we shift in motion, you have to kind of uh, foretell your responsibilities very early. Sure. The Steelers' defense was kind of a, a morphing amoeba-type defense where the safeties are at, at the line of scrimmage, drop into a deep third, drop into a deep half. A lot of different looks. A lot of different looks. And so sometimes it, it, it causes a little bit of hesitation of a blocking scheme here and there. And sometimes, like you're saying, when it's tough to get into a rhythm, it's because you're not really sure. Are you seeing a 4-3, a true 3-4, 5-2? And, you, and your skill positions were different in that game. The offensive line wasn't your starting offensive yeah. line. So I think it might have been kind of a perfect storm type of situation. Yeah, and I, I thought the Steelers did a good job of coming up with a Chiefs game plan, which mm. is kind of the opposite of the Chiefs, who usually do what they do. I thought it was really effective. They went back to you know, pressuring Alex Smith and, yeah, giving them a ton of different looks so that the Chiefs never could. Like, it wasn't until the fourth quarter on a couple of those drives where I felt they got into a rhythm. So they went an entire half with doing nothing offensively. Yeah, one of the tough things that I noticed as well is, you know, Chris Conley wasn't there, Albert Wilson wasn't there, so Demarcus Robinson really was in a big position. I mentioned it a little bit earlier. You didn't really see uh, Demarcus Robinson and Alex Smith didn't really have a good connection in the game, and Matt Nagy was asked about that this week couple plays in there that you'll see where, where uh, not just the markets, but for in general, guys are they, they may look open. And but in regards to how the play is designed and where Alex's eyes are supposed to go, to everybody upstairs, and may like, oh no, you know, he missed them. One of those, one of those type of deals. But there's, uh, I, I think what you're going to see with the markets and Alex to answer your question is as these games go by here, and we and we just get more and more practices and games together. Those guys I'm talking about. I think you're going to see that 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 uh, relationship between the two of them on the football field really grow. And I, I think that DeMarcus just having been able to go out there and, and uh, get lined up and, and see the speed of the game and then understand timing with Alex. You saw at the end of the game there he had a big catch to, to get a first down. I think you're going to start to see more of that. When we talk about the uh, Chiefs offense, we kind of if you kind of watch what the Eagles are doing, that third wideout position that Nelson Aguilar is doing, if you look at the tight end in the third wideout position, the progress and the, uh, the amount of success that position is having kind of dictates whether the offense goes or not. I mean, it's, it's a lot of things that they do with that third wideout position and you're starting tight end. It's complementary routes that there's really no way to defend it. So when we talk about getting ready for this last game, 
I mean, who was the third wideout? We had Robinson bumping up to be number two. Hill was number one. So that made who was our number three? Seemed like the Anthony's arm run that. That or uh, number 19, right? So we had kind of an unproven number three until late in the game they found DeAnthony Thomas, that number three wide out. And that's the position where I think that the Chiefs really need to um, use that position to attack the Oakland Raiders defense. Well, that was interesting game for me for DeAnthony because the Chiefs needed that touchdown bad. And where he got it on the field, he kind of needed to make it happen. And he st- stepped up in a big spot. And the only reason the Chiefs really had a chance at the end of that game was to play DeAnthony Thomas made because – Again, and you know, it might be the reason they went for it. You saw the offense couldn't do anything all day. That was a big boost, you know, late in the game that almost led them to a victory. Yes, I'm still a DeAnthony Thomas believer. You know, I still think put him in the right spots and he can contribute. The pound for pound toughest player on the team. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's quick enough. Obviously, in in Andy Reid's offense, that he can have some plays for him. He can have some packages and be useful. He's probably not best served as a 35 snap receiver like he was last week. But, you know, that's that's what the Chiefs had to do with those injuries. Again, we realize if Dave Tobe says it, it's gospel. Yeah. Dave Tobe, he, he crowned him as the toughest pound for pound player he's ever. It's gospel. We got to start taking it right. Death, taxes and Dave Tobe. <laughs> Dave Tobe, another supporter of Akeem Hunt, who will now get a RB2 role for the first time this year, probably on Thursday. How do we feel about Akeem? Not the dream in a in a RB2 role going into this week. I, I just don't know enough about him. Um, he doesn't look as explosive on the kick returns, but you're comparing him to DeAnthony Thomas and Tyreek Hill, uh, so that's a little <laughs> unfair. And I also wonder how much it, you know, it's going to be him or it's going to be C.J. Spiller this week. Like how, you know, how much trust do they actually have in Akeem, who's been here for last four weeks, three weeks, or something like that? He's been getting a few plays on the, in the offense these past couple games, but I know what you mean. I feel like C.J. Spiller may have a better grasp of the playbook. What do you, how do you feel about that, Sean? Well, I think Akeem, his benefit is his top-end speed. I mean, he's a guy you can put out in a wide receiver role, and he can run a go route and get past. I mean, almost is a matchup nightmare versus any linebacker or safety. And that's a position where you look at the Raiders, you know, especially if they're actually thinking about playing Navarro Bowman, their linebackers are very limited as far as their coverage ability, and that's what people have been taking advantage of them game after game after game tight ends, your third wideouts, that slot position has been kind of just exposing them on the, as far as their secondary, um, as far as being a weakness. So whoever is that third down running back, whether it's you know Kareem Hunt, Akeem Hunt, or C.J. Spiller, take advantage of that matchup. It's going to be a matchup nightmare. So big day for Kelsey. Yes, sir. That's what I heard out of that. Travis Kelsey does need another rebound game. Didn't have a great game against Pittsburgh Steelers. Had that one drop that I remember stuck out to me. Kareem Hunt actually, for the first time, could not really get it going on the ground. He did still end up getting 100 yards uh, from scrimmage. Uh, Again, he is the only player in NFL history who in his first six games get 100 yards from scrimmage in each game. That's amazing. But what were the Steelers doing to Kareem to stop him on the ground? Penetration. The D-line was just uh, taking gaps, penetrating, getting deep in the backfield, making him make a cut before he was ready. Um, And that takes away a lot of the looseness, the the downhill, he's a he's an amazing runner getting downhill. He gets downhill faster than anybody else and is able to make lateral cuts. But when you have to make those cuts or think about making those moves before you even get the ball in your hand, it, it changes your whole profile, changes your whole uh, demeanor as a running back. And then the just the rush attempts, the way the game was just unfolding, we kind of went away from the run a little bit. And 
start to rely more on the pass and that, you know, that's not, that's not really focusing on Keem's strengths. Yeah. I think after getting only six yards in the entire first half, it changed the personality of the offense quite a bit. And Kareem wasn't getting the attempts and you saw that's exactly what happened to the Steelers the week before Le'Veon Bell only had 15 attempts this game double that he had 32 and that's why he was so successful yeah and I found it interesting on Kareem Hunt I saw you know pro football focus tracked him at 29 yards after contact but just 21 yards total for the game yeah you know so that just showed exactly what Sean said that they were getting in the backfield really quickly and a lot of those plays you just had no had no choice and I come out of that game I didn't think you know they should have given the ball to Kareem Hunt more just that wasn't working you know yeah, and another point to it is on this offensive line, we really haven't noticed it the past few weeks because the Chiefs have been winning. But when you have a loss like that, you you finally do notice it. The Chiefs are miss, missing Mitch Morse and Lauren Duvernay-Tardif. And, uh, yeah, you, you noticed it on the safety. Two penalties for Cam Irving. You know, Morse started practicing last week, so maybe this is the week for him. LDT, I doubt it if he just started practicing this week. So we'll see. I bet we're still, you know, we, we still might be a couple weeks away. I feel like after the safety from Zach Fulton, if you're Mitch Morse, you know, you, you kind of get on your horse on your way back. If you were close, I think now you, you maybe even try to push it a little bit because – it's abundantly clear now they're missing you because that was a little bit of a game changer too. It just was a weird start to the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, Morse, Morse is uh, is pretty underrated, especially in that you know the Chiefs' screen game, which I think against the Raiders has historically been pretty successful. All right, now let's turn the page to the Raiders' defense, and here was Matt Nagy on the Oakland Raiders. To start off, you know you have Khalil Mack fifty-two, and then you have Irvin fifty-one there on the on the edges, and. Those are high motor guys that that are uh, very experienced uh, at what you know in that defense and, and what they do there. So on the back end again, they got a couple safeties there. They they, they fly around. They're physical. They they played a they played a, a really good game yesterday versus L. A. And and it was a physical game. They were really stout against the run. It, it was I mean as you see coming down to the last three seconds of the game to kick a field goal to, to win for L. A. It was a close game and so. They've been in some battles, and and they're 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 being tested right now, and and you know they're going to have a short week just like us. So it's just a matter of making sure that we let's just focus on what we do, and uh, prepare as best as we can for their defense. But but really, let's focus on what we do so that we can go out there, execute, and play fast. Another team that gets to the quarterback, Khalil Mack, leading the way with four sacks. You got Mario Edwards with three, Bruce Irvin, who Nagy mentioned, with two right behind him. Another tough matchup for the Chiefs O-line, Sean. Yeah, the one thing I, you know, if you, if you listen to what Nagy said, the most important thing for the Chiefs offense to do is just do what we do. And I think you can't, you can't say that enough. You can't, you can't, especially in the short week. You just want to really narrow that game plan down and say, hey, guys, this is, this is what we're going to do going into the game. Nothing, nothing different. We're just going to focus and get a little bit more detailed, stay on our blocks a little bit longer, uh, make sure we are, you know, at the right point of contact, right leverage on our blockers. And let's just move guys out the way. Let's create some scenes for Hunt. Let's get the running game going. After the running game gets going, play action pass comes along that. And then that's when you see Kelsey and our number three wide receiver start taking big chunks down the field. And then when everybody's playing those, you can hit the outside corner. So it's a progression of how this offense takes advantage of a defense, quarter by quarter, play by play. Each play sets up another play. And like I said, last game that kind of got out of hand because it, the safety, it just it, it was a real weird beginning to the game. It kind of threw everything out of whack, and we didn't get back on page until late in the fourth quarter, and you saw plays started being made. 
So the the Raiders pass rushers concern me, the, especially the last few weeks with the way the Chiefs line has played. I think there's, you know, they, they have the attitude of we're going to do what we're going to do, but without, you know, Sharkandrick West, probably your best pass blocking back, and I saw Kareem Hunt get leveled a couple of times in pass pro last week. Man, I would I would be looking at what you're doing offensively to make sure you're protected because Alex has been taking plenty of hits. We know the Raiders are coming, especially Khalil Mack. Like he's he's going to get his this game. So I think you need to focus, you know, a lot of attention to making sure Alex stays clean. For what it's worth, I think Kareem Hunt has been pretty good as far as pass blocking before last game, but he's had a lot of other highlights that you'd be watching instead of his pass protection in previous right. weeks. I think he might have just had a bad game. And because the Chiefs had a bad game, these videos are all over Twitter, and there was a little bit of buzz this week, oh, Kareem Hunt can't block for the passer. And yes, while Sharkandrick West is good at that, I don't know if you necessarily want to write Kareem Hunt off. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's writing him off. You know, they did bring West in some of those passing situations because you also don't want Kareem Hunt at this stage taking 60 snaps a game. Right. Um, and that gave him a little bit of a breather, and I'm not sure if you, if you get that as much now. Because after West went out, all, you know, pretty much all those duties went to Kareem Hunt. So I think it's as much entering his snaps and the hits he takes throughout the entire season. Some other notes in listening to the Raiders press conferences. I do expect Navarro Bowman to play. They said they haven't ruled him out, but he was already practicing in Oakland yesterday. So, uh, you know, if they had him on the field already, he's going to be juiced up. I think you want that energy, especially when you're two and four. A former Chief Sean Smith was actually benched this past weekend for Travis Carey against the Chargers. Sean, that surprised you? Not at all. I mean, Sean Smith, even when he left here, I mean, he was kind of on the downcline of his career. His play, his skill level on the, on the field, productivity on the field was all kind of declining. And he tried to go out to Oakland and kind of revive his career. I mean, he's, he did a good job a year ago, and now this year he's kind of reverted back to the old Sean Smith. Um, you know, he, he hesitates on his breaks. He's accessible to the double move. I mean, he's kind of a liability when he's out there on the field. So, I mean, I would love to see him out on the field against our our team. So I'm hoping he plays, actually. <laughs> Some other names to watch, Reggie Nelson, David Emerson. You know, decent secondary. I think their front seven is, again, pretty good. It's kind of a theme for the Chiefs this year. They're playing all these teams with good front sevens. Final word going into this for the Chiefs offense, Sean. I mean, you just have to highlight Khalil Mack. You have to make sure that you don't let him get started off, you know, first quarter, second quarter, a multiple sack game you know, really putting Alex Smith on his heels and making him worry and hear, hear kind of you know, start feeling ghosts and seeing things. And then in the secondary, you said it, Reggie Nelson. Reggie Nelson's a guy who's been playing at a Pro Bowl level for the Cincinnati Bengals before he went to the Oakland Raiders. He still is a very effective free safety. He's able to move back there, show you some coverage, then take a half of the field away, comes up to blitz a little bit, and back into a deep third. Very, very mobile, a very active safety. Kind of reminds us, like, again, of, of what we did with Barry, what we do, do with our safeties. So, I mean, those are the two players that I think that you really have to be on the watch. The interior of this Oakland defense is where we should attack. The interior, the line, the middle linebackers, even with Navarro Bowman, linebackers are linebackers. We can come in and play on any team. If you, even now, if you put me out there, I can figure out what's the open gap I'm responsible for. It's not like an offensive player when it comes to alignment, assignment, being responsible for this uh, pass protection. Um, that's a little bit tougher to kind of get up to speed. But when you're talking about defenders, I mean, defense is defense. If you played long enough, you played in every different style, it's easy to get adjusted and play right away on the defense side of the ball. Well, there you go. Did you hear him drop that he could come back today? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> we call it a little tease. <laughs> Stay with us. Now let's turn the page to the other side of the football. It's the Oakland offense, number 30 in the league, based upon yards per game versus the Chiefs defense, number 29 in the league based upon yards per game. So, you know, two of the worst units in the league 
draw each other in this game. The Chiefs have had recent success against the Raiders, winning seven of the last eight games. So Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, was asked about that this week. I mean, you know, I think, you know, obviously, you know, they're, you, you learn them, you play them in your division, you know all that stuff, but um, they know us too. You know, I, I think we just, you know, you – this is a, this is a good team. I mean, they have a they have a they have a the kind of the same kind of balanced deal that we're talking about. They got some really talented receivers. Uh, the tight end has added a dimension to them. Uh, Marshawn's added the that kind of nasty power running, you know, that that he does, you know. So they're a good thing, and you know, and and, and Carr's playing, you know. I mean, I think over the last couple of years. Probably, probably as well as anybody has. You know, he he does a great job uh, um, staying out of trouble, gets rid of the ball, helps his linemen, keeps the sticks at least neutral. You know, gets rid of the ball, does not get sacked very often at all, and so you know they 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 create these certain things. And and what you got to do, you just got to play really well. You got to get off the field on third down, and and you, again because he's willing to drop that ball off, which I think is important. You got to do a great job of securing a tackle. You know, that, that's a big part of it. You know, they, they got some guys that can catch and run and uh, do a good job. And, you know, he's got a nice, to me, a nice, you know, we always thought he had a great ability to throw the ball deep because he's got a great touch and he can drop it in and all that stuff. But uh, he, it's just, I, I wish there was a secret that I could, uh, I wouldn't share it with you anyways, if I knew it, but uh um, I would just say that, you know, we just, we try to play them hard. We try to, we, we understand, you know, what we're trying to do and, and that that's important. And, and we know that we, we got to keep these plays down. You know, we got we can't let them have easy plays and, and that's a big part of it. I mean, are we sticking to this theme of Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree just having big games and the Chiefs just having to manage that? They're not Antonio Brown, but yeah, there there has been kind of the trend that the opposite side of Peters, or in the case of one week on Peter's side, that the receiver on that side does pretty well. That'll continue a little bit this week, but no one's going to break off and, and ruin the game, I think, the way that Antonio Brown did last week. I think you see the same Chiefs defense. I mean, that bend don't break. Raiders probably get a lot of yardage between the 20s. Uh, so in the red zone, the defense will step up, make a play. Big sack, uh, you know, Chris Jones or one of our guys would just come in and make a big play to stop the momentum, and we'll hold them to, you know, field goal opportunities. Um, that's kind of our, 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 our motto right now. But Sutton, I mean, he's a great defensive mind, and what he realizes is that his personnel plays best when they are uh, disciplined and when they are aggressive. And so he doesn't ask them to do a lot of things outside of their comfort level. I mean, it's a, it's a you know, do-your-job type defense. No Superman mentalities. No, no, we don't need a – we don't need Peters to help anybody else. You play your position, play your job. Safeties, when you're in the box, you're a linebacker. Be a linebacker that, that down. When you're in a deep third, be a safety. It's kind of one of those mind your, mind your own business type defenses. And, and as a defender, I think most guys really, uh, they love that. They love being able to kind of know what they're responsible for before the game, and no one's asked to do anything more than that. One of the big differences in the Raiders personnel this year is, of course, Marshawn Lynch. I think everyone nationally really knows that about the Raiders. Bob Sutton talks about whether or not Lynch is the same player he was just two years ago this week. He's the same guy, you know. He runs, uh, he runs hard, and he, you know, he he, he he's a he's a contact runner. He loves contact. He, he you know, he's gonna he's gonna seek you out to some degree in here and go. And uh, you know, like always, we say about Marshawn, you know, he's 
he's underrated as far as his ability to do those inline cuts and the things that, that he does so well. And what happens is he gets to run through, you know, like we call it soft shoulders. You know, you, you end up overrunning him, you end up on that outside and you're reaching back in and, you know, his, with his size and strength, uh, this isn't a guy you can tackle like that. So you gotta, you gotta stay inside out and you gotta get a, you gotta get good contact on him. And then you gotta get feet moving on contact. If you hit this guy, I don't care how hard you hit him. If your feet aren't rolling, you know, they're not moving. Uh, it's going to be hard. And, and of course, you know, like all great backs, the, the, you don't want to be involved in a lot of single tackles. You know, you want multiple people there and you want that. That's a big part of this whole thing. You know, as you get ready for, for playing a guy like Marshawn, I mean, you, you, you need your whole defense. You know, when you want to take care of these guys, and man, it's like we say, hey, it's every player, every play. We need everybody involved, you know. And uh, you may think you're not needed, but in about a half a second, that thing bounces out or cuts back. We need you, you know, and that's why you got to assume every time, hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a critical guy in helping get this guy under control here. Now, the interesting thing about Lynch is I think people thought he would have a better season than he's having. He had the great first week, 18 rushes for 76 yards, has struggled since then, but had an okay game, 13 carries for 63 last game. Does Lynch become scarier given what Bell did last week, though? I mean, I think we knew some of the, you know, it's, it's, it's almost the Antonio Brown factor, same thing. Like, you're just not going to face another guy that good. So, yeah, we knew the run defense was a problem. You know, I think Marshawn could have a decent day, but by no means do I see him going for 180 or completely taking over the game. You know, he's, he's, uh, he, he's the type of back where I would, concern, I, w- I would be concerned if the Raiders got a lead and they actually stuck to him, you know, consistently. To grind out the game. Yeah, grind out the game type. But, you know, the, the, the Raiders passed the ball enough that I think it would kind of be tough to get him into a rhythm. But we'll see. I mean, the, the Chiefs' run defense has, has not been good lately. We saw more Ragland and less Murray versus the Steelers. Is the Chiefs' run defense a big cause for concern? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, when you look at these two running backs, um, what we faced a week ago and what we're facing now, you have that, that it's, it's kind of a, a matrix, power to patience. And, and Bell is an extreme patience guy. Uh, and then he turns it on the power when he gets into your second, third level. Uh, Marshawn Lynch is just the opposite. Right. He's hitting the hole hard. He's not, if, whether it's open or not, he's going to bury his head, try to run over somebody. Um, not the most patient runner. And I think that kind of leads to what we play uh, defense the best against. We can meet power with power. And what Bell did last week, he exploited some of our uh, your run gap responsibility because you want to get to the ball so bad, sometimes you void your gap to get to the ball, not realizing that that's what Bell was waiting for, to take advantage of that gap now being voided. Uh, Marshawn is a completely different runner. He goes power, power, power. And I think we have, we have the, the front that can combat that and play really, really well against that type of running back. Now, Derek Carr in the offense just hasn't been the same this year. You know, it's not what a lot of people predicted. One of the best things about Carr is he doesn't turn the ball over, and he usually doesn't take sacks. Last year, the entire year, he had only six interceptions and 16 sacks. This year already, we're only entering the sixth game, nine sacks and already four interceptions. What do you guys think has been different in Derek Carr? The offensive line doesn't seem as perfect as they were last year. Maybe that's just from a couple of the games from the Raiders that I've seen this year, but I think that's certainly part of it. Last year seemed... I mean, they were just playing at such a high level that even a little bit of a drop off, I think you tend to see, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a different year. Not not everybody can be Alex Smith and throw five picks a year. 
Yeah, I think I think Derek Carr. I think his back was hurt way before that he let anybody know. Yeah, and I think he's been kind of playing through a little bit of pain, playing through a little bit of lack of mobility. And if you look at you know a year ago, his mobility allowed him to escape a lot of the would be sacks. Yep. Um, his mobility allowed them to go down you know second third level. It was hard to stay with Crabtree and Amari Cooper you know over three or four seconds late in the down late you know after coverage had broken down he'll find somebody and now without that mobility he's able to, he's not able to do that same thing so it's leading to more forcing the ball into tighter windows for more interceptions it's leading to him taking more sacks and I still don't think he's healthy now so you know smell some blood in the water let the sharks go get him bring that pressure early and often Sean wants to see EJ Manuel <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's also consider that Derek Carr wasn't as good as last year you know made him out to be which I think is is very much a possibility that he's going to be a very good quarterback and not you know an elite. What are you talking about? Andy Reid said he wanted him at the Pro Bowl. Remember? Yeah. No. I mean, may, maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. But <laughs> I just I just feel like we catapulted him into like top five quarterback status, and you know he hasn't played a playoff game yet. Mm, it's true. Overall thoughts, Sean. I'll give you the final word on this Chiefs secondary against these weapons of the Raiders. Oh man. Grudgingly, I, I I still point to the same highlight, the same elephant in the room is Gaines. He has to play better. He for our defense to play better because of the style of defense we play. You know what you're going to see. You know where he's going to line up. You know that by going to slot formation, you're going to get him on a certain. If you go three wides, you're going to get him on a certain person. You move your number one into the slot formation against a spread offense, you're going to get Gaines on him. And so it, it's when he's not playing up to up to par our defense becomes very average because you can attack that, that, that position and you know where, who's going to line up against them. You can get your best guy on our third best corner. So he just has to answer the bell if you want to put He has to pick up his play. He has to answer the bell. He has to uh, be accountable for his, his position, his role in his defense. And if not, then, I mean, eventually you have to find somebody who can do it. And don't headbutt the football. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. All right, well, we talked about the X's and O's, the storylines for this game. When we come back, we'll have one of your favorite segments. We'll read your tweets. We'll give some predictions. It'll be fun. Stay with us. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollar menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. We are talking Thursday night football. It's the Chiefs traveling to Oakland to play the Raiders. Sean Barber here. Joel Foreman there. Pete Sweeney here. And we have Seth Kaiser on the line for predictions for this game. Sean as usual, we're going to start with you. All right. I'm going to go get detailed for you. It's going to be a combined field goal frenzy. I see a combined <laughs> nine field goals being made between the two teams. The Chiefs go five for five. Raiders go four for four. Both teams get two touchdowns during the game. Chiefs win 29-26. I'll go 30-26, to 26, the Chiefs. It's kind of a weird, unpredictable week with the Thursday night game. I don't really know what to expect, so I'll stick with Vegas, who says this is a three-and-a-half-point line, and I'll go 30-26 Chiefs. All right, I'm going to go with a good old-fashioned 21-14 win for the Chiefs. I just think that the Chiefs are a better team than the Raiders. As much as I want to pick the Raiders at home uh, because they've – 
they really need the win. They're getting some juice from Navarro Bowman. I just think the Chiefs are a better team, and I think they're able to manage three touchdowns, and I just don't believe in the Oakland offense right now. So I give them 14 points, 21-14 in favor of the Chiefs. Big Seth doing big things. Come in hot. <laughs> I just – I've had a chance to review the All-22 from the Steelers game a couple times now. I don't think the Raiders are capable of doing what the Steelers did to the Chiefs defensively. They don't have the discipline. They don't even have they – don't, they don't play the same scheme. The Steelers are basically the kryptonite for Alex Smith in that they're the only team I see where his pre-snap reads are consistently wrong. And the Raiders just aren't capable of doing that to him. So I think the offense gets back on track because that Oakland defense isn't good. Like Joel said, anything can happen on a Thursday night game. Sunday looked familiar, and it spooked me. But as leery as I am, I'm going to go with the Chiefs getting back on track offensively and winning 31-17. to So there you have it. Despite the loss, everyone picking the Chiefs once again. All right, Seth, well, thank you for joining us for predictions. As always, any advice for us heading out? Oh, man, I forgot to consider this. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when, when an officer tells you to just step out of the car because they just want to talk and work out the situation, they're lying. They're looking for a reason to arrest you. Good to know. All right, well, good. The <laughs> You're more, welcome. The more you know on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. All right, Seth, enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, you guys too. Seth Kaiser joining us, four guys picking the Chiefs. And now we'll get to the next part of our program where we read your tweets. Sean, you ready for some of these? I'm ready now. All right, here we go. This one from Sage Conrick at Slim Sagey. That's a nice Twitter handle, Sage. Very nice. When do you think we'll get our O-line back to full health, Sean? Oh, uh, when After this game, the long, uh, the long, the long break after a Thursday night game, allow everybody to kind of regroup. It's kind of like an early bye week. You get an extra two or three days of rest, and I think that uh, going into week, that'll be week eight, starting the offensive line will be back. Yeah, I think week eight versus Denver. Maybe you see Morse this weekend. If not, they're both back to practice this week. So the long break, week eight, Monday night football against Denver. I agree with you guys that the full offensive line will be back then. I'm going to add a little wrinkle to my boy Slim Sagey's question. How does Parker Anger fit into all this, if at all? I mean, he doesn't. Clearly, I think, you know, he's he started off, he started last year, but they haven't played him since. They've had opportunities to play him, and they haven't. So I'm reading into it what it is. I think you earn, like I said, you earn your, your depth level, your, your position on the depth chart in preseason. And obviously during the preseason, he, he just didn't earn a spot. Uh, he hasn't earned that trust level to be able to go in there and be a swing man. So um, he's kind of just on an emergency-only type basis. If, if, if we go down two or three linemen, then he gets to go in there. But other than that, um, they'll make moves around him to keep, keep other guys in there. All right. Well, next tweet, Wade at Goodwin WM1, at Goodwin WM1. Interested in the difference between home and away games. Seems like Chiefs lay eggs in home games more often in the past few years. Am I wrong? Well, don't they have a long road streak going, like seven or eight wins in a row? I mean, I think there maybe is a little something to that, but it probably has more to do with playing the Steelers twice in the last two home games that they've lost than anything else. So They had a couple weird home games last year where they lost to bad teams as well. It just seems like they were caught off guard at, at our head. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're like 26-3 and three in the last 20, like 29 games and the three losses against the Steelers. I mean, I think this is the fact that they had to play the Steelers a few times here, and we just didn't – we don't match up well against the Steelers. What the Steelers do offensively, 
we just don't match up well against that. So I think that's that kind of. I got the numbers on it since 2015, 13 and six at home, 15 and six away. So the only, you're only wrong in the sense that there hasn't been really an advantage at home. I think that's the only, I mean, because six and six, you know, as far as losses go, doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I heard somebody say, is, is there really a home field advantage in the NFL? I think it was something like uh, when they added everything up going into week six, it was like 45 and 46 was the win-loss record of every team home and away. So it's just like, is there really a home field advantage? All right. Michael Cohen at Dr. Cohen. Got to cover the elephant in the room, DJ. Has he lost a step? Sure, se- sure seems like it to me. I know Sean's probably more of the expert on this, uh, considering DJ basically replaced him. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but he sure does seem like he lost a step, and it's less – it's less me like noticing it and saying, hey, DJ looks slower there. And it's more like, hey, we used to be good for like five plays a game where DJ's bursting through the line and tackling the guy by the shoestrings three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I just don't see that as often anymore. Uh, it is fundamental football. I mean, he just has to do a better job of wrapping up. Um, he's getting to the point of contact. He's making the right reads. It's just once he gets to that point, a lot of time he's dipping his shoulder. Or he's just doing glancing blows, these big, big shots and, I mean, running back, young running backs just have great balance, you know. And Le'Veon Bell has good balance, so you can't submarine a guy who is so elusive to take his legs away and get back on his feet and continue to exploit those holes. So, like I said, uh, Beast Mode, coming this week, it's not going to be a, a detriment, but um, if we do play more those elusive type backs, our entire team has to do a better job of wrapping up, not just DJ. Now, my eyes aren't as good as Sean's, but I've been here now since 2014, and he definitely looks to me a step slower this year. Even that being said, you have to keep in mind, is DJ a step slower, still better than a lot of middle linebackers in the league? And, and I would tend to think that is true as well. So I don't know. I, 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 yes, I, I, but I don't know if it's necessarily an elephant in the room because I don't know if you'd really want somebody else at the moment and who that would be. And then you get into a lot of other questions. And he's still pretty good in coverage. Agreed. Todd Lutz at Chiefs Lutz 11. What's the status of Tom Bahali? So I'll explain this quickly just to pace upon the rules. And then if you guys want to weigh in about what you think the Chiefs will do, that's another thing. But now that six games have passed, the Chiefs have five weeks to activate Tamba Ali. Once they do, the Chiefs have three weeks to put him on the active roster. And if they don't, he is done for the year. As far as whether or not you think the Chiefs will activate him, I'll turn to you guys. Uh, yes, I, I do think they will. I don't think it'll be like this week. I could see them doing this like the final month of the season. I think the Steelers and James Harrison were actually a pretty good example for this. James Harrison didn't play that much. He's been inactive the last few weeks. They brought him in in the fourth quarter of the Chiefs game, and what do you know? He was fresh and got a sack. So, you know, I, I see the Chiefs doing that, bringing him in, spot playing him in the final you know month of the season or so, two months of the season. Unless we had an injury at that position, I would hold him out as long as possible and just prepare him for the playoff run, prepare him for whatever, you know, three or four games left in the season to kind of get himself back to play, you know, full game throttle. And then once the playoffs hit, just no more, no more pitch count on him. Just, hey, Tomba, let's let it go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a little seasoning to this. Would you rather Tomba or the Rover from Villanova? <laughs> I would rather the Rover play now because <laughs> he's like an a, a innings eater. You know, a pitcher, he comes in and eats some innings up, eats some game time up. Bring your and closer just, in. And, and Tomba is the closer. Tomba is going to be the guy late in the season, playoff when we really need to play on that field. He, his, his, his presence, his experience 
will pay off more in the later parts of the season, that fourth quarter of the season in playoff ball more than it will now. I mean, if, if recent seasons are any indication, they'll need him to start because Houston or Ford is going to be injured, you know, by the time the playoffs get here because they don't play too many games together before something happens to one of them. Yeah, really frustrating part about those two guys because you, you would imagine that if they were both healthy for a long period of time and could get into some like sink or something or some rhythm, man, the Chiefs' pass rush would be good, but it just hasn't happened since yeah. D. Ford's been drafted. All right, guys, last tweet, maybe the most fun tweet of the day from Michael Estelle. Is Sean Barber coming out of retirement to help the Chiefs run defense? I'll turn to you first, Jill. I heard the rumors uh, earlier today. Right here in this room, actually, uh, from a source close to Sean who said if he had to, he could lace them up today, but we'll see. The answer is no. All right, I'm, I'm six kids beyond uh, playing football anymore. Um, they they get my best. My focus now is purely on parenting, parenting to the best of my ability. I'm reading pulls and draws and play-action pass and pre-snap reads. I'm trying to pass that on to my oldest son now at me age and you know, let him – he'll carry on the, the barber name, the legacy – He's playing cornerback there, so if he can learn how to cover a seven route, maybe out. And let's be honest, if Sean Barber was on the Chiefs, you really think Brad G would let him be sitting across from us? (laughs) My man, Brad G. Final words for the Raiders and Chiefs at Sean Barber 59. What do you got? Oh, man. The final word is take away that soft middle, Uh, attack it. It's the underbelly of the beast. Let's, let's, Let's find that, you know, pick up that dragon, pick up that Raider, and see that soft underbelly. Let's go ahead and strike it over and over again. Like I said, if we have a chance to beat them by 30, 40, 50 points, you don't pull off the gas. It's, it's this Raider week. It's a short week. Let, let's hit them hard, hit them fast, give them everything we got, come out of Oakland with a win, and then rest up and be ready for Monday Night Football. At Arrowhead Pride, Joel Thorman. When teams are somewhat evenly matched, uh, which I think the Chiefs and Raiders overall are, you know, go to the coaching matchup, and Andy Reid once again wins that one. I just think he's such a better coach than Jack Del Rio that the Chiefs come out on top on this one. All right, nothing for me at PG Sween other than I just want to give a shout-out to my boy Philip Rivers for beating the Raiders last week, and, of course, the New York replacements going into <laughs> Denver. And keeping the pace for the Kansas City Chiefs on a day the Chiefs could have lost a lot of ground in the AFC West. They pretty much lost none other than to Los Angeles Chargers, who have a lot of ground to make up. And it's all because of Eli and a lot of names you hadn't heard of going into Denver and beating the Broncos. As far as this game, Sean Barber pointing at my hat, I also need to give another shout-out to the Syracuse Arms. Yes, yes. Going in to the Carrier Dome. And beating the world champs, if it was professional wrestling, the Syracuse Orange would be the national champions right now. Unfortunately, it's only college football, but very exciting about that. Other than that, listen, big game Thursday night. Should be a fun night for you guys. It's Chiefs Raiders, Raiders week. For Sean Barber and Joel Thorman, my name is Pete Sweeney, and thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.